Well, as folks are heading back to school, many will be getting back to the basics. And so I thought here in the church we might do the same thing. For the next few weeks, we're going to be looking at some of the faith stories that we find in the book of Genesis. Now, I've heard people brag about being New Testament Christians, but I want to remind us that the stories of the Hebrew people, the people called Israel, are an important part of our roots as well. Those sacred texts are also key components of the story of God's faithful and endless love that we call the Holy Bible. Now, I'm not a poet, nor do I read Hebrew. So as I read this story for you, I admit that I probably will not do justice to the beauty of this passage. I'm not sure our, our translations begin to even capture the depth of this particular text. But hear it now from Genesis 1-1 through 2-4, read from the New Revised Standard Version, updated. When God began to create the heavens and the earth, the earth was complete chaos, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome. And it was so. God called the dome sky, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with the seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seeds of every kind, and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for years and year, for days and years. And let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. God set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth to rule over the day and over the night and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters bring forth swarms of every living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves of every kind with which the waters swarm and every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the waters in the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things and the wild animals of the earth of every kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind, and the cattle of every kind, and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. And God saw that it was good. 
then God said, let us make humans in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humans in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, see, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw everything he had made, and indeed, it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished in all their multitude. On the sixth day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. These are the generations of the heavens and the earth when they were created. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Quite often we refer to this as the creation story. But I think in truth it's the creator's story. This is a story about God, our creative, loving, caring God. This is not an historical account. It's not a scientific report. This is not a diary of the first seven 24-hour days of the world. This is a story of love meant to remind the people of Israel and us who God really is. Far too often, we 21st century empirical folks find it difficult to reconcile this story with the things we've learned in school, with the things that science is discovering all the time. What we must remember is that this is primarily a story about who and why, not so much about how. Dr. B.B. Warfield uses this illustration. A glass window stands before us. We raise our eyes and see the glass. We note its quality and observe its defects. We speculate on its composition. Or we look straight through it on the great prospect of land and sea and sky beyond. So there are two ways of looking at the world. We may see the world and absorb ourselves in the wonders of nature, and that is the more scientific way. Or we may look right through the world and see God behind it. That's the religious way. The scientific way of looking at the world is not wrong any more than the glass manufacturer's way of looking at the window. This way of looking at things has its, prim- has its very important uses. Nevertheless, the window was placed there not to be looked at, but to be looked through, and the world has failed of its purpose unless it it too is looked through, and the eye rests not on it, but on its God. Scripture, in other words, is a window through which we see God, and we see God's love for us. Remember the Hebrew people had come into contact with many other tribes of people, especially the Egyptians. And so they had been exposed to the stories of many gods and stories of how the world came into being. 
So there was a danger that they might stray, might be influenced to worship these other gods, believe their stories of who they were and how the world worked. It was important that they be reminded of the truth, reminded that they were children of Yahweh, the one true God. And so stories were told, passed down from generation to generation, and eventually they were written down. Now, the book of Genesis has traditionally been been attributed to Moses, but modern scholars believe it is a compilation of stories from many different sources. Hence, you'll find in Genesis two different orders of creation, one in chapter 1, one in chapter 2. There is general agreement that it was likely written down during the Babylonian exile and before Israel entered the land of Cana, probably about the 6th century BCE. Their, their stories of who they were and whose they were became solidified and shared. This passage I just read would have served as a powerful reminder to those sometimes hopeless wanderers that their God is unlike the gods of others. Their God is the one true God, the source of all that is. This is an expression of joy, wonderment, and awe that their God is creator and sustainer of everything, one to be trusted and adored. We're reminded that God is sovereign, all-powerful, eternal, good, and not just a mere force, but a person to whom we can relate and who desires to be in relationship with us. Reverend Stan Mast writes, Why does God create the world in us? Why are we here? For the love of God, for the sheer love of it, to express God's love and to be loved back. For God so loved the world, says John 3.16, explaining redemption. That same love explains creation. The God of love wanted a relationship with creatures like God's self. That's why God created. God speaks, and the world and everything in it is created. But we ask, how? How could there be days before God created day and night? How could there be chaos before God created? Where did it come from? Again, this story is not meant to be a literal accounting. The important thing is that each time God creates, that creation is deemed good. And that includes us. We are actually the pinnacle of God's creation, for we are created like God in God's image. I wonder what would change if we truly believe that God sees us as good. Would we think differently? Would we behave differently? Theologian Walter Brueggemann notes that it was quite common for kings in ancient times to erect images of themselves grand statues of stone and coins that bore their likeness. But our God is different. God created us, us, to be living images of God. Christians are summoned to reflect God's care for the world of creation and human community. I wonder how we might live differently if we were mindful that we represent God. We are to be the image of God, to tell the world what God is really like. If we are like God, then we too are creators. 
I wonder what we create. Peace? Justice? Stability? Do we subdue the waters or do we jump in to churn things up even more? Do we hover over chaos and seek ways to bring order, create healthy boundaries, or do we jump right in and add to it wreaking our own havoc? Do we breathe out good and very good, or we do, do we look for the bad and focus on the wrong? Are we representing God in the world? This first chapter of Genesis is a reminder of who we are created to be. Like Israel, we too are confronted with an abundance of gods and idols to worship. Self-satisfaction, materialism, nationalism, status, physical appearance, prestige, comfort, technology, entertainment, fame, the list goes on and on. If we're not careful, most of our time, our attention, and our energy goes into focusing on those things. God's word here is a message against those false gods. Ours is the one true God, and that, that God alone, is who we are to worship. Just as this was a reminder to the Israelites, so it is to us. Remember, remember whose you are. You you are God's creation. As God's creatures, representatives, partners, we are not to be focused simply on ourselves. God has given us the important task of caring for creation. We are given dominion, not so that we can simply use the earth for our own pleasure. Just as the king has dominion over his subjects, it is not simply that he can use and abuse them, right? It is his job to care for them, provide for them, do what is best for them. With power always comes responsibility. God has given us responsibility to care for God's creation. The book of Genesis is a reminder of what happens when we don't accept the power and responsibility that God has granted us. In the weeks to come, we will read stories of humans' abuse of power and apathy toward responsibility. We will learn that we are far too prone to leaving the boundaries that were set for our own good Genesis is filled with stories of sin and its consequences. But as I begin, it is also a book through which the thread of God's amazing love weaves in and out. We mess up creation. God redeems it. We worship other gods. God calls us back. We sin. God forgives. It's a love story. A love story. In the beginning... And in the end, may God continue to breathe life and love into us. Amen.